Uh, today we're going to discuss the 19th day of Kislev. Uh, there's a lot of different, various different things that took place in this date. And first we'll discuss on the year Tov Kuf Lamed Gimel. Um, now, I don't have the book in front of me, I don't have the copy in front of me. But we, we'll talk first about of the Magid of Mezrich. Now the Magid of Mezrich, as we know, was the teacher of the Alter Rebbe, um, Shneir Zama, the founder of Chabad. Uh, the Alter Rebbe, as we also have learned, uh, was a, uh, a, br- a brilliant scholar, but you were able to see, even at a very young age, that, that he has phenomenal uh, talent and uh, ability, and his intellectual ability at a young age uh, was like beyond anything that they were expecting. And that was, that was a generation over there in which, uh, you know, there were many, many great scholars, and there's, that was the, uh, the big thing in those days. People would uh, devote their entire lives to the study of Torah, to expound the Torah. And so there were, a lot of, there were a lot of geniuses, there were a lot of knowledgeable people, and there were a lot of great people. But yet, even in that environment, still, the Alter Rebbe stood up and shined. And uh, it says the Alter Rebbe had to make a choice at one point when uh, he matured enough to want to be on his own level. He was looking for somewhere to connect uh, where he could... Um, where he can further his own uh, experiences, further his horizons. And at that time, there was a choice. You can either go to Vilna, which was the Goen over there, Rebilio Vilna. He was, you know, the authority, the greatest authority of, of that days. And we have many of the Groz, many of his writings and uh, elucidations. He, he wrote a lot of very powerful footnotes. And he, he went through basically every part of the Torah, and he commented on each part of the Torah. He makes a lot of corrections. You find them in the Talmud, you find them in the, in the Medrash, you find them in the Chumash, you find them everywhere. He's just gone over, he sort of went through some of the basic texts, and he has put in some, the Code of Jewish Law, everything. He's sort of left his mark on all the areas of the Torah. And that was the area of Vilna, but on the other side you had the Magid of Mezrich, who was a student of the Baal Shem Tov. Now he uh, was, on the other hand, he was also a, a world-renowned genius and scholar, but in addition to the revealed part of the Torah, he also taught the uh, mystical part of the Torah. And when the Alter Rebbe had to make the decision where to go, he said, I already have somewhat of a knowledge in the open part of Torah. He was pretty accomplished in that. He says, I want to go and experience uh, some of the mystical, the hidden part of the Torah. And that's why he chose to go to the Magad of Mizrich. Now, you know, the uh, Magad of Mizrich wasn't as known as the, as the Gaon of Vilna. And the Alter Rebbe, being a great scholar, uh, originally when he came there, he didn't see anything special. So he, he almost turned back home. <laughs> he almost went away. He went there for very little time. He couldn't tell right away, but uh, he had prepared some questions, some uh, ideas he wanted to ask. He wanted to test, sort of, he wanted to make sure that he wants to take him as his Rebbe. He wanted to see how he was going to answer him. But then, of course, uh, as he was leaving, and he asked the Alter Rebbe and the Magid of Mizrich, uh, uh, you know, conversed with him, he was totally blown away by the knowledge and the insight and the uh, holiness of the Magid of Mizrich. 
So, as we learned earlier, that the Alter Rebbe of a small age was already signed up in the Hebra Kadisha. Remember, we talked about that his grandfather had to pay a certain amount of money for him to his bar mitzvah. I think this was at the age of six, we said. No, no, the age of five, I think, of six. I'm not sure exactly at what age. They took him in into the group of the Hebra Kadisha. And then they, um, they, um, what they did was they, when the uh, Magid of Mizrich, when he passed away, there was a, uh, a court case, uh, a Jewish court case between the Hebra Kadisha, those were the regular people that are always taking care of the, uh, of the deceased, you know, to take care, make sure they get a proper burial, they make the tahara, they prepare the body before the burial. And there was a din Torah, there was a, a court, there was a judgment, a Torah case between them and the students of the Magid of Mizrich, because the students, they wanted to be the ones that are going to handle the body of the Magid of Mizrich, his body. They, they, they felt that they have the right, they served him during his lifetime, they wanted to serve him on the, uh, also after his passing. And the Chavra Kadisha says that that belongs to them, that privilege, because they are... Uh, they're the ones that uh, take care of the people who, who pass, on, pass on. So they ruled, the court, the Beisden ruled, the, the, the Beisden ruled that the Hebra Kadisha is, is, has the right to it because that's their job. However, they said anybody who is signed up to be part of the Hebra Kadisha, and I guess even though they weren't on the local Hebra Kadisha, but if they belong to a Hebra Kadisha even elsewhere, so then they get to. Uh, take care of the uh, of the deceased, being that the Alter Rebbe was signed up in the Hevra Kadisha, so the Alter Rebbe was one of the people who got the uh, special you know privilege to take care of the body of the Magid of Mizrich. So then they threw a lottery, who's going to which part of the body you know to to take care of that, and the Alter Rebbe got the head of the of the Rashi Kesem puzzle was very. Uh, he, so he got a very, you know, as we know that the Altareb was one of the younger students, or perhaps the youngest student of the, of the Magid of Mizrich, but he loved the Altareb and he held him very special, very, very dear, so that also his son became Chavrusa, uh, sort of a, a, a learning partner together with the Altareb, and whereas the Altareb would teach his son uh, uh, the revealed part of the Torah, which was the Altareb's. Uh, uh, specialty sort of to then and the uh, Avram the Malach he was called the angel he would teach the Alter Rebbe he would teach him the Hasidus um, um, the, the mystical part of the Torah the hidden part the esoteric part of the Torah and um, and you know as we, we've learned that before how the Alter Rebbe would take advantage and turn the clock to, to, to get some more time for the Hasidus and he would uh, change it on him um, the uh, Magid of Mizrich actually commissioned the Alter Rebbe to write the Shulchan Aruch. That's how we have the Shulchan Aruch today, is because it was the Alter Rebbe who was told by his teacher, by the Magid of Mizrich. Uh, the Magid of Mizrich uh, told the Alter Rebbe before his passing, he said to him that, um, um, that uh, the, um, three days before a person passes on, now I'm not sure, he just told me generally, the person actually doesn't see materialism, he only sees the spiritual of every item in this world. So that he sees the godliness, he sees the holiness in everything. Because every item in this world 
has its energy, which is a spiritual energy, which re- gives it its survival, which uh, is its energy and gives it being to being. But before you pass on, you get the ability to, to look beyond the uh, the veil. You get to see the actual energy of each item. It's like saying instead of seeing the uh, the motor work, you actually get to see the electricity. You get to see how you know the the power behind it. Uh, so to speak, um, the um, and the Alter Rebbe shared with the, I mean the, the Magid of Mizrich shared with the Alter Rebbe some various insights with regards to the birth of a son, with regards to first the night, the Shalom Zohar, the 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 uh, the uh, the, Alter, the Magid of Mizrich was teaching the Alter Rebbe certain things about birth of a son, he was teaching him about uh, the night before telling him about various different things and and when the Magid asked him how come you're not asking any of this and he told him, well you're you're, 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 you're just flowing, you're telling me and I'm uh, very uh, very fortunate to be able to hear all these revelations that the Magid was teaching the, 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 the Alter Rebbe now, uh, the Alter Rebbe um, um listened uh, very tentatively to, to the Magid, and the Magid told him that you're going to have a son. I guess what he was telling him is, he says, you are going to have a son, and I want you to name your son after me. And that was the Mitla Rebbe, whose name was Duber, was named after his teacher, after the Magid of Mizrich. And basically, what it seems like from this, that the Alta Rebbe was told by the Mit, by the Rebbe, by, by the Magid, how he should, he was sort of giving him all the instructions, in other words, because that's going to be sort of almost like a reincarnation, or I'm not sure if we can use those terms, but the Mitla Rebbe is going to be sort of his name, and he's going to be able to follow him. Yes, go ahead. So, was the Alta Rebbe identifying as the next Rebbe from a very young age? I mean, okay, that's a, that, that's a good question. Um, a lot of these people, it seems, the first thing is, and they were all, any of these people to be considered, or even for people to have a, an idea about them of being leaders, first thing is they needed to be totally brilliant scholars. So you couldn't just, not anybody who just, you know, who, who, you know, who Googles something on the internet and can give you over a, Advar Torah that he read somewhere he is a scholar. What? No. <laughs> you know, today somebody who knows how to speak can look up or can read, you know, some art scroll uh, with the English translation is already uh, a figurehead, and you know, because he figures, you know, the people around him know less than him. So you know, what do they know? So it's become, unfortunately, the generation. There's people are not educated in that field and remember you see in other areas of education things have moved on in the sense is you know you go to school you study different uh, sciences and it's constantly improved it's built on the old but you always you don't go back to the original texts you know but in the Torah, there are certain barriers. You know, the first thing is you got to talk Hebrew. And the second thing is you got to be able to read the text. And you got to go back to the original text. And so people that don't have that training, you know, they, they, they found they have like a, a barrier right before they start. So it has nothing to do with their intellect. It has nothing to do with their IQ. They may be very smart, but they, 
just can't access the information. They don't have a means of accessing that information. So the first thing, you need to be able to access information. But again, we're talking about in a generation where people were geniuses, scholars, knowledgeable, and on top of that, they were holy people. They were real people. They were servants of God. They were religious. They were pious. They were uh, servants of Hashem. You know, they were really doing what they were supposed to be doing. So, in that area, just being a very knowledgeable wasn't enough. But that was the first criteria because if you're going to have a leader that you're going to, is going to guide you, the first thing you want to know that he knows what to guide you with. I mean, you're not going to go to a doctor who, who just puts up a sign, I'm a doctor there, and he doesn't really know medicine, hasn't studied medicine. You're going to go to somebody who knows the medicine. That's what you want them to heal you. You're not going to go and just anybody who knows how to speak nicely, who knows how to tell you even what you want to hear from them, but you know, you're going to go to somebody who can, who knows, who is knowledgeable. Now, to gain the knowledge of Torah, besides being brilliant, you got to invest a lot of time. You got to study, and you got to study, you got to work hard. If you work hard and you study, and you're brilliant and you're gifted, and God has blessed you with, and then you also are uh, devoted to Hashem with your heart and your soul, and you're seriously and you're pious, you're religious. But still, that level, there were many at the court of the Magid of Mizrich. The Magad of Mizrich had what he called, and he recalled the Chavraya Kadisha, that is like a holy group. Around those group were the most outstanding scholars of that generation. Notwithstanding the fact, Rebellio, Mivilna, the Gra, the Goen, he had his group of people, but then there was a whole group, a whole series of people that followed the Hasidic you know, uh, principles. They went under the Magad, they followed the Baal Shem Tov's a vision and new insight or uh, that, you know, excitement and enthusiasm in Torah. And, but there was a whole bunch of them. It wasn't like uh, just the Alter Rebbe. So when you ask me, was the Alter Rebbe originally a leader? Not necessarily. But what happened was, first of all, we also have to realize these people didn't look for leadership because leadership took a tremendous amount of responsibility leadership took away from the things that they loved most. They wanted to study, they wanted to expound. That was their love of their life. Giving them other responsibilities meant less time doing what they brought them close to, brought them to the level, and gave them the responsibility. Leadership, you know, required, you know, a lot of self-sacrifice, and but the awesome responsibility. So these leaders weren't running for office. <laughs> they were running away from office. They were not looking for that. So it's not like... Those uh, are the and those are, those are the real leaders, right? It's those that run that have a problem. You know, they don't even walk for office. They run for office, you know, so they're trying more. But that means that they're not really serious about the responsibility because if they're really serious about the responsibility, they say, oh, we're going, we want to do service for... It's not the service to the to give back to the community what motivates them it's the you know the ego the uh the power the the, the you know whatever motivates them to to go ahead and and and, and go ahead there but the alter rebbe as well as all of the uh other 
a group of uh, students of the Magid, at that time they didn't call them Hasidim, they called them Talmidim, they called them the students of the Magid. So the Magid was the head, and then they were students of the Magid. Now, again, like I said, if you read some of the scholarly works, blow away your mind. You know, some of these, not only Al-Turabis we know, or some of the other scholars, they blow away your mind. You know, the depth, and you know, when you try to to, 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 to figure out and sit and understand, you, you, you see not only an endless amount of knowledge of knowing material, but also a depth, uh, an ability of analyzing things, an ability of, 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 of being able to dig very, very deep. You know, uh, it, it would, you know if they were in the Goyesha world, if they were in the secular world, these would be the Nobel Prize <laughs> winners. These were the people that had the most brilliant minds, and they would be there. You know, but they did this, and they just did it like regular. That was their thing. They studied and they brought uh, insight into the Torah. And after the passing, yeah. Sorry, in the Magid of Mizris, what was his lineage? Where did he come from again? I forget. That was that, that's a good question. We didn't discuss that right now. But his his claim to fame was that he was the uh, student of the Baal Shem Tov. And he was the follower of the okay. Baal Shem Tov. What happened was that immediately after the passing of the Baal Shem Tov, they, they had a thought that somebody else may, may take over the Baal Shem Tov's uh, mantle after the Baal Shem Tov <laughs> passed away. Uh, but then it didn't work out, so it went to the Magid of Mizrich. Uh, we have to look in that part of the history. That's a separate and part of the history. Al Rebbe followed him. Al Rebbe followed, but it wasn't just the, the Al Rebbe. That's right. Yep. We've been talking in Chabad because we're on the Chabad branch of things. Right. So we we basically start with the Al Rebbe and we go back to the Magid and the Baal Shem Tov. But as we asked me, was the Al Rebbe destined to be a leader? The Al the Magid of Mizrich has made many overtures, and he has commissioned the Alter Rebbe, he set him up as being the, uh, the leader. Now, I want you to also to realize that one of the hardships was not just regular responsibility. You had an entire religious community with a hierarchy which were opposed to the Hasidim. Being a leader of the Hasidim didn't just mean that you had to be a leader. It means that you had to take the wrath and you had to take on all of your own brothers and sisters who didn't yet understand what you are about. It, it was like a, a, a job that nobody wanted. You know, Nobody would, would want such a job because can you imagine to feel uh, other religious people will come and say, Oh, you're, you're, you're not really Jewish, you're not really religious, you're, you're, you're worshipping, you know, we've, we've heard that even in Chabad today, we've heard there's some groups that will say about Chabad that, you know, they're idol worshippers, they, they, they will say that, you know, some, some will say. Can you imagine what you feel if you have people working with other communities? My father, of blessed memory, used to tell me what he used to work, he used to work with even some other Hasidim who had a... a an axe to grind against with Chabad about, you know, they didn't get along about, you know, it was a lot with the Satmers, you know, the Zionists and this and that. So, you know, the Rebbe, as we talked about, asked the girls to light Shabbos candles. 
So they came out with those, I'm not sure if you've ever seen them, they have those things that they distribute, they, they, they got betters. But in the olden days, they had those candles uh, holders. So they would give them out, so they made them for cheap, so they could just hand them out, so that the girls can light the Shabbos candles. But, you know, the Satmers, you know, or some other groups, they were opposed to this, you know, it wasn't their custom. And they wasn't opposed to it in a quiet way. So what happens? So they'd make a, they'd make a minion over there by the, uh, where they worked. So they make a minion over there. So the minion, they add up together. Chabad, everybody, you know, whoever was there. It was a shop. It was all from Yid. So they used to put, when you daven, you put in two candles to, before you daven. So you put in two candles. So it was a convenient way. Where do you put the candles? So they had those candle holders that they, to give out. The Satma would not daven with that minion. Because the holders for the candles were of those that were made to give out for Mifzah Neshek, to give out for Neir Shabbos Kodesh. That was already Zionist. That was already uh, Treif. That was already <laughs> the extreme. So, but you can't imagine what it feels like to be considered by your own kind sort of religious to tell you you are not only religious, but you are like the worst thing for the religion, right? Now, to stand up against that takes a tremendous amount of courage. It takes a tremendous amount of, 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 of hardship. So what happened, to answer your question? So the Alter Rebbe, plus the other students, they weren't looking for becoming leaders, but they were the older students. There was always the level of respect. And there was always a level of going up the older gets first. So some of the older students of the Magid of Mizrich, after the passing of the Magid of Mizrich, they were the ones that took over and they sort of became the unofficial leaders. The Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe, calls them after the passing of the Magid of his Rebbe's. And that was Rabbi Mendel Mevitebsk, Faharadok, Rabbi Avram Kalisk. They were like the older students and they were the ones that uh, the Alter Rebbe sort of honored and he accepted them and he sort of calls himself their students. What happened was these people went and moved to Israel. And the Alter Rebbe, we learned that, the Alter Rebbe wanted to move to Israel with them. But they were begging him and in the end they finally, the Alter Rebbe decided he's going back to undertake and they gave him that section where it was infested with, with uh, was a fortress of the Misnagdim, of the opponents of Hasidim, and they told them, well, this is the place you got to work, you know, can you imagine? We know it was the Alter Rebbe, it was Rebbe Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev, you know, some of the names that you hear of the great Rebbe's, they had a lot of Tzuras. As you see, the Alter Rebbe was imprisoned two times, and he had a lot to, you know, a lot of troubles from, the, from these people. But, again, to, in their defense, to their defense, one has to say that they meant well, but this was something new, and it was something not, they haven't experienced this before, and they were worried. Maybe these people are, you know, some, some sort of a, you know, the Jewish people unfortunately had, at times, other groups that came later on to be non-Jewish groups that attached themselves to the Jewish people and they took away a lot a lot of Jews from the religion so people were wary, people were afraid, people didn't know They this was something new, something different 
You can't blame them, in other words, fully. But yet, it was quite clear, and as we said, the Alter Rebbe tried desperately, and there were people, leaders, that were trying desperately to bring together the Gaon of Vilna, together with the Alter Rebbe, trying to smooth things out to show them. The Alter Rebbe said that he would go to uh, the extremes just to try to prove the innocence and to try to show them that Chabad and the Rebbe's philosophy isn't at all against, you know, any traditional Judaism, on the contrary. And as we, as we know and we see, and there's no, right now there's no question, there is, everything is very clear. So the Alter Rebbe reluctantly, after they left to Israel, reluctantly accepted and became the leader. Now, because the Alter Rebbe was not only brilliant, not only learned, and not only was he pious and holy and smart, everything else, but he was also had leadership qualities. He was able to attract tremendous amount of following, and the group of Hasidim uh, sort of increased, uh, quadrupled, and multiplied, and it, it just caught on fire, you know, so you had more and more people joining and becoming part of the Hasidus of the Alter Rebbe. Now, the Alter Rebbe had a certain style. That's why it's called the Hasidus Chabad. Notwithstanding the old followers of the Baal Shem Tov, there is a certain style, and most of the style comes through in the particular Hasidic discourse in the uh, way of study and learning which the Alter Rebbe disseminated because after everything said and done the Alter Rebbe did various different things he made a sitter, he made a mikvah he, made, he, he changed and he did a lot, a lot of different things but yet the most important thing that the Alter Rebbe kept on teaching was teaching Hasidus that was the Hasidic philosophy and the Hasidic teachings that has a certain style to it that is considered the style of Chabad. That is the Chabad style of study and the Chabad style of learning the mystical parts of Torah. That style is not shared by other Hasidic groups. That was the style of the Alter Rebbe. Do they have the Tanya, the other Hasidic they, groups? They, uh, they will refer and they will study the Tanya, but that won't be their Bible. But to Chabad, that's our Torah Shavik Sav. That is our basis. To them, they have other other things, but they study the Tanya. The Tanya is the spiritual. Is the book of the of the mystical teaching. and the spiritual teaching of Chabad. And uh, one of the things of the Tanya, of course, there's a lot to the Tanya. Tanya has now five sections, and you know we're different, and we study all the time. And you know, a lot of times it's a it's a little bit over your head. It seems a little bit because it doesn't. It requires more than reading out aloud. That's just like the minimum, just to cover your grounds to have read it, but it, it, it requires a lot of in-depth and intense study. The first section of the Tanya, and the first very first parts, are a little bit easier because as we're going to start studying it over again, once Yutus Kislev comes around, which we start the cycle again, over there it really uh, discusses mostly about how one can overcome uh, certain uh, obstacles in serving God. One to overcome depression, one overcome feeling sad, one overcoming the battles of one's evil inclination. Again, it's not like reading a, a, 
a book we were used to in the fast food generation, you know, just going in and getting a sandwich and eating it and getting satisfied. And if it takes anything more than that, we can't focus and we can't stay tuned in. You know, everybody's running quick, 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 quick. But this study requires some, if you really want to gain, of course, you know, you try to take out a point here, there, and share it. But to really understand it, you got to focus, you got to study, you got to spend time, and you got to learn. But the Alter Rebbe explains basically the, the whole system, the way it works, you know, how. What, what is going on with us, the battles that go on within us, how one can uh, help himself, what one should do, how one can become a better person, how one can become a better Jew, how one can do... But that's, again, that requires a lot of study. And the choir requires, I think more than study, it, beca- it requires a desire. <laughs> you know, I mean, the first step to finding a cure is, as it says, Yedias Hamachla, is an expression, knowing the sickness is a half of a cure. You know, first you got to want to be cured, you know, and then, then if you're really serious, people, in the olden days at least, had problems that we don't have today. It's not that we don't have those problems, probably don't care about those problems. <laughs> when people had problems, it means they felt that if they had, like if they... If they couldn't like feel anything in their heart to Hashem, to God, for them that was a problem. Uh, to us, it's not a problem. You know, <laughs> we're happy if we, you know, we come to shul. We're more than happy. You know, that's already quite, uh, quite an accomplishment. You know, as we did in today's Hayom Yom, we did that. He says in spiritual matters, he says one should always look somebody who is on a higher level and say, you know what, I'd like to be there. You know, I'd like to get there. On material matters, one should say, look at somebody who has less than you and say, thank God for what I have because there's somebody that has less than me. So you, every good thing you got to put in perspective. You got to put everything, you know, where, where, where you're standing. But the Alter Rebbe, you have to know, was good. It was kind. He gave blessings to everybody. And same thing is about our Rebbe too. But the Rebbe mainly, what his main... You know, unfortunately, we're living in a generation which people called the Rebbe to make an operation. They wanted to know whether they should start a business. They wanted to know how they're going to be successful. But that, those were secondary. That's not the primary function of a Rebbe. That became the, by default, I mean, that's the people were, were around us that we got to do that too. But the main focus, the primary job of a Rebbe is to be an inspirational guide to help people in their spiritual uplift them, bring them closer to Hashem, which the Rebbe is doing through all of his shluchim. Now, also, you know, you got to reach out to people. Now, if we didn't talk English, then you don't have an audience. So you got to, and this is the key to Chabad, and I think maybe this is the distinction, so people don't understand what's the distinction between Chabad and some other movements in Judaism which also try to bring in the unaffiliated. Because in Chabad, we may bring the message in English, in French, we bring it down in various different levels, we will use everything, but you know what, we don't change the message. The message remains the same. We're not changing anything. It is the language that we talk, it is the way we reach, we're going to use anything that is used in the world in technology, 
to reach the people, to get them to pay attention, to, to grab their minds for a second, so that they look in the record, we'll use that. But what do we give you? We don't sell you something uh, to, to, to give you. We sell you the same Torah. We don't sell you one iota. We don't compromise. We don't tell you. We just bring it down to a level that you can sort of understand it and you should be able to appreciate it. Whereas the other organizations, they say, oh, we've got to reach these people. We're going to water it down. We're going to lessen the requirements. We're going to uh, say that you don't have to do anything. No, no, no. There's no such a thing. You have to, the, the, the requirements aren't watered down. If you can't have mixed seating, you can't, you're not going to have mixed seating. Well, oh, if I had mixed seating, I'm going to have 20,000 people in here because then they will, you won't stereotype you. They won't say that you're, yeah, and okay, but you know what? If I'm going to have mixed seating, then it's not going to be the Torah that I'm giving you something else. I'm not going to give you something different. We stay strictly faithful to the original. We don't change the code of Jewish law. We don't change it. Times don't change it. What we change is the way the message is delivered. We change the delivery message and we utilize everything. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an expectation that everybody can follow, everybody could follow or should follow because it's, it's self-understood None of us have the same experience. You know, if somebody grows up in, a, in an, an environment in which this is what they know, so of course, most likely is, hopefully they're going to follow that. But if somebody grows up in a totally different environment and you grow up in totally ideas, how could one follow it? I mean, they didn't even know about it. I was teaching a class, I was talking about a soul and this. So there were people, were telling some Russian people, Russian, Russian immigrants, they said, we never heard about a soul. We never heard about... All we knew was Jewish is because in our passport it said that we're Jewish. That's the, that's the extent. But we had, we, what does it mean? We, we, we had no idea what it means, Bechal. It doesn't mean anything to them. Now, of course, how could you expect? And the same thing is, you know, people live their lives. They have certain ideas. And, you know, uh, you know my wife mentioned to me yesterday, <laughs> just uh, funny. Uh, she mentioned to me yesterday, you know, that some of our children are not even our standard doesn't uh, meet there. They have even a higher standard than, you know, than mine. You know, Rabbi Valsav has a standard, and they don't even like that standard. So my wife is a little bit, she says to me, offended. You know, she <laughs> says, oh, well, we're not... I said, look at all these families who become religious and their children are religious. What do you think their parents feel like? I say, how do you think... The, these kids are basically telling their parents, well, what you taught me isn't good enough. And you're, you're, you're all mistaken. I am the one that is going to teach you, you know? So she says, yeah, you're right. <laughs> she says, okay, I, I, you're right. I said, well, you know, this is, just, this is just the way it is. But you know what? It's not that one is better than the other one. Each one is placed in a certain place because that's where we're placed. I mean, we didn't choose what our life experience is going to be. We were placed in it. That really means that we don't, we're not expected to do different than what transpired with us. But the minute we get the opportunity, the minute we have the, 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 the knowledge and the learning more, so we should grow. We should grow in our knowledge, we should grow in our experience, we should grow in our, 
you know, certainly translated into action, day-to-day action. Going to shul, putting on the tefillin, lighting the Shabbos candles, doing more and more to try to do the better that you can. Now, with Hasidus, the Alter Rebbe said, it became a little bit easier because, as the Rebbe said, you know, there is new uh, sicknesses, there needs to be a little bit new medicines. Not to change the Torah, but the medicines that we use. Now, one is not going to tell you, ah, oh, you know what? 50 years ago, they didn't have this medicine, they didn't have the cure, they lived without it. Now science has figured out other cures. We're not going to use it. We're not going to use penicillin because they didn't use it. Hey, wait a minute. You know, why? You know, people didn't have the need as much as we have the need for antibiotics today because we have a lot more to deal with. So the point here is, Hasidus gave us something more because we have a lot more mishigas. We have a lot more, we have a lot more craziness going on out there. We have a lot more to deal with that is pulling at us. So that Hasidus that the Alter Rebbe and the Rebbe's taught and the Rebbe's message, even when we go out there, that energizes, first of all, the young people and to give them the message with that excitement is able to reach and bring in that we couldn't do without it. So that's part of what... So that's a long answer to your short question. The Alter Rebbe gave us... uh, leadership that he didn't want to run for it, but it was given to him. And Hashem appoints these leaders. We don't appoint them. Hashem appoints them. How old was he when he came to Poland? He was a young man. He was a young man. Um, He was in his... He was in his... um, uh, He got married. No, he got married to Chavdalek of Vav... it was in his late 20s, I think. You know, I couldn't tell you right now the dates. I got to look okay. it up. But it was in his late 20s. and yeah. But he functioned for many years. But this everybody the has... The Alter Rebbe is in a category of his own. Even, even amongst you know, the great giants of Judaism, even amongst other Hasidim, the Alter Rebbe is in a category of his own. He is uh, on his flow of ideas, of new insights, bringing things in his... His language, the way he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, in so many different areas, he's sort of in a category by himself. And he's respected by those who want to respect, of course, people that want to deny, you know, people. Uh, so there, you'll always find those two. But uh, in, in, in people who are genuine looking would, would find. Okay. Okay. So after we had the, we had the Yutas Kislev, the 19th day of Kislev, in the year Tovkuf Lamed Gimel, that was when the. Magid of Mizrich, Dovber, remember we discussed this? Uh, he passed away. The English date would make it uh, 15th of December in 1772. On that same date, on Yutas Kislev, and now we've got to move forward uh, several years, that is when the Alter Rebbe, Rishner Zaman, who was the student of the Magid of Mizrich, and this was in the year Tov Kuf Nuntes, which is okay, that would make it the 27th of November in 1798. Oh, really? Okay, so that was the day the Alter Rebbe was freed from prison. But it's also the day which is considered the Rosh Hashanah for Hasidus. That is sort of the day in which uh, it was recognized that spiritually the Alter Rebbe's. Uh, expansion and 
the way he treated Hasidus to teach it to the masses was okayed from above. Because this whole story of the Alter Rebbe being imprisoned and then being freed was not just a physical thing that somebody slandered him and then they got freed. It's, it actually represented what was going on in Shemayim. It actually represented what spiritual matters. There was actually a criticism and there was a thought in above that what the Alter Rebbe was doing was not correct. Because we know that the Kabbalah Hasidus was sort of uh, taboo, so to say, for the for the ordinary folks. It was only the Kabbalists that studied it, and the Alter Rebbe, you know, he he was versed. I mean, just this enormous amount of, of of material. If you talk about besides the uh, revealed part of the Torah, which is the Talmud and the Code of Jewish Law and all the commentators throughout the centuries. On top of that, to be well versed also in the esoteric, in the Kabbalah, in the writings of the Arizal, the Priyats Chaim, the Pardes, the, the, all the different, the Zohar, and all the different works. It's just a, it's a tremendous amount of material over there to study. Not only to study, to be well versed in it, and to really comprehend it, understand it. This is just like unheard of. But the Alter Rebbe took that knowledge, that experience that he learned and was able to transmit it and interpret it in a way that was negligible so that we can sort of also enjoy and get a little bit of a glimpse, I guess, of the Kabbalah as it has been modified through the Hasidic teachings of the Alter Rebbe. And that was something which was a question. Is the generation... Is the time ripe for that? Should we really be doing this? Uh, because the fact that these secrets were disseminated is sometimes ended up in perhaps in people's hands that shouldn't have studied it. It's like today a lot of times as we know, I don't know if you give that example, but every information that you speak uh, today is right away broadcast on the internet and it's known to the whole entire world. So like in the olden days, if there were a couple of Hasidim who wanted to sit together and they were uh, having a little talk and maybe somebody would schmooze to the other one and they would say expressions, you know, they would talk about certain things and they would, in an emotional state or in a, perhaps in a uh, sense of their feelings, they would say something about about the Rebbe, talk about him in a very special way, or say... So that was amongst Hasidim. That was like the feelings that they would express. But today, you know, everything you say is immediately picked up by the others. Somebody uh, records you, and somebody puts it right on... The, and then they, you know, people that don't understand, they take it out of context, they take it out of the way it was meant to be. And right away they say, oh, you know, look, look at what... So... All the teaching of Hasidus, the way the Alter Rebbe taught it, was also at the time it was a question whether that was uh, the right time. So the imprisonment of the Alter Rebbe was sort of a sign of heaven that it was questionable. But the fact that he was released eventually, that was taken as a sign that he is doing the right thing. And they actually say that from after Petersburg, Petersburg is known as the place where they... Uh, arrested him and they brought him to and where they investigated him. So after the, the Petersburg, 
it was uh, a totally different and a much higher level than it was before uh, before Petersburg. So, yeah? Uh, that was already after Petersburg, I presume. That was already after the proud. The thing is like this, the Tanya originally wasn't written as one pamphlet. It was made out of pieces. It was first said, and then it was made out of pieces, and then it was put together and was published. Got to take a look. It was published, actually, um, I think we we'll have to look on the Tanya and the date, but it was... It's somewhere around that time, approximately about that time. It was it published? It was published? No, no, that was later on. Uh, Alter Rebbe writes in the Tanya that he was forced to publish. He wasn't going to publish the Tanya, but he wrote that he that he published the Tanya because people were making uh, illegitimate work. Does he keep the Tanya in his shed? No. People were, were, were making illegitimate uh, copies or they were doing, they were intentionally forging it. So he had to write it down in a book. And, you know, so the Tanya was meant to keep away from uh, the people. There were just too many people coming to the Alta Rebbe and he couldn't physically handle, meet everybody individually as he writes in his introduction. So he needed to create a means to help people that they wanted to seek his advice and guidance. So in order to achieve that, he wrote it down. And he said, look, it's the best that we can do. It doesn't really substitute a face-to-face meeting. But under the circumstances that we can do, he also asked you know, the people in all communities who have a better understanding to help those who understand it less to teach them some of the principles. So, but... That was certainly around that time. I don't know exactly uh, the dates on that. Um, but as far as the Alta Rebbe's imprisonment and then his freedom, I mean, of course, it was necessary at that time. At the end of the day, when Hashem brings about a certain revelation or a tzaddik comes up with a sforim or with the books, it was because that generation needed it. As it was shown, uh, that the Alta Rebbe's uh, work, impact, leadership, changed and perhaps uh, saved the entire uh, Jewish community and it gave them that extra uh, strength and the extra uh, ammunition that they needed to overcome. There's a famous story about one of the other uh, students who had a criticism of the Alta Rebbe because he once saw that some of the pages were in the uh, not respectfully, they were sort of on the floor and he was upset because the Alta Rebbe was revealed secrets of the Torah and it sort of was disrespectful and the Alter Rebbe sort of soothed him by giving him an example that uh, the um, uh, student of uh, a child of a king was once very sick and he couldn't take the medicine and the only way that they can heal him was to take the uh, precious stone which was in the crown and grind it up and mix it up with water but the problem is even that the child couldn't drink and you try to give it to the child, to the prince, and it would spill all over, all over. So they said, what are we going to do? But they said, look, if a drop will go in the right place, it could spill, it could, it could go all over the place. So meaning, even you have these things, maybe sometimes it ends up in the wrong place. It's not respectful. The, 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 the sforim or the, the, the chassidus was, 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 should be kept in a more sacred way. But it's all worth it because if it helped the child get better. And we're all God's children and we're all need any medicine, any encouragement that we can to help us better. So the fact, I mean, this is really, if you think, the guiding principle of the Rebbe in Chabad, 
that you know to send out you know like people to various different communities. A lot of times it brings about personal struggles for people to remain with their own level of, 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 of Yiddishkeit and with their own level of Yerushalayim because you go out to various different corners of the world, you know, and you don't have that support system like you had. And it's, it's amazing, the Baruch Hashem, that all that connect and do the Rebbe's work, so they, they sort of stick it out. And they not only don't they compromise themselves, but they're able to impact the communities around them. But there is always a lot of uh, a lot of questions about doing that. Your own children, where are you going to educate them? How are you going to make sure that they have a proper chinuch? You know, and now they created you know various uh, you know have online schools and different things for children who live who knows where <laughs> in the furthest corners of the world with no no Jews and no education, no nothing, and still they get some of quality. You know what there is to offer. So, but yet. It, it, it does involve some danger. That's why some other groups of Hasidim, they ch- choose to rather stick it out in their own communities and hopefully uh, not allow the strange winds to blow in there because unfortunately they find out that sooner or later they can't totally insulate themselves either. They can't really uh, try to cut themselves off. And if they don't find the means to give their children the strength you know, and we find the strength of Hasidus to give them that extra, you know, uh, empower them and give them that extra energy. Sometimes when they're faced inevitably with some challenges, they don't know how to handle it because they're not been given that vitamins, <laughs> that extra immunizations that protects you. With but again, I'm not saying that there's very clear one way or the other, but the Alter Rebbe's idea was that, you know, you give up a little bit of your own, even if your own Yiddishkeit, uh, again, according to Shulchan Aruch, not, uh, we don't compromise, but you put yourself in a little bit of danger and you try to sort of uh, get, uh, get them, yeah? When you get a chance, call me, please. What? Call me when you get a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't insulate Sorry. yourself in the rest of the world. You can't? I mean, some people say that it. you could, you know. Just can't do it. Yeah. The first edition was in 1797. The first part, but the total it was later on. Yeah, it was later on. Yeah. So, which is which is uh, which is actually um, uh, one year prior to uh, to his being arrested, because he was arrested in 1798. We said. Like 1801, right? No, no. It was just it was just for for 53 days. Oh, We're gonna see this minute. It was a very very short. But I mean, it's 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 made a big deal of it. But it was not for a but long he was time. Again yeah, and those those out, were actually, right? it actually corresponds to the fifty three chapters of the Tanya. Oh. That's why they have the fifty three oh. days that he was imprisoned because that was the question as we were speaking about. It was uh, a question of the, whether he should be able to uh, uh, do this work to continue this work. But once it was decided. Then they uh, actually, uh, he went with full force. After Petersburg, he started much stronger, and Hasidus sort of quadrupled and became uh, a lot stronger than before. We learned earlier, he also moved uh, to Liadi, he moved, okay? And then we learned that he had 
at that time, a lot of more opportunities, a lot of chassidim moved over there, and a lot of more opportunities opened up for the Alter Rebbe. Yeah, what are you saying? I want to say a lot, several of his arrests were not, were not political. It's because of the other groups that oh. went to the government and said he was an activist and he was against the government. That's But they, the other groups were trying to get rid of the Alter Rebbe one way or the other, and they, exactly. did, not, they did not stop even by slandering and going to the government the and getting the Goish uh, yeah, the uh, and they arrested him but they then they found him. out Just like based on them supported, because he supported the Zab but he was giving money to, to, to the Ottoman Empire so they said he was exactly while he was in in, in wasn't coming that was under uh, the Zab so exactly it was, it was, so, it was so it wasn't political no, no, it wasn't. That only really, it only to do that they tried to uh, to do harm to the Alter Rebbe because they believed that the Alter Rebbe was doing harm to Yiddishkeit, or these right. people said that he was taking people away from the uh, from the regular. Orthodox Judaism, and he's right. slapping them away and making them into Hasidim. So they figured that all means were now uh, kosher. You can do anything. Just get, just get rid of him. Get rid of. Him. And they went, and that's what they thought. Now, when they brought the Alter Rebbe to Petersburg, originally they put him into the secret chambers in the fortress, which is known as the Fortress of Petru Pavli, and he was there more than seven weeks, which is 49 days, plus up to 53 days. He was sitting in that fortress. And in the first three weeks, he was under very strict, very serious guard. And he was in, kept in rooms that were designed for people who rebelled against the government. Because one of the main accusations was, as Marty said, was that the Alter Rebbe gathers money and he sends them to the Sultan in, in Turkey to the Ottoman Empire at the time. But then later on, within the fortress, the Petropolis fortress, they moved them to a better place. During the entire stay of the Alter Rebbe in that fortress, there were various different groups, and they would sort of work through all the accusations. There was a whole uh, letters and uh, write-ups against what they had against the Alter Rebbe, and the Alter Rebbe would... Uh, would, would answer them and they wrote back and then they would send away all these things back to the Senate of the um, and um, the investigations was on the mainland, the Mifzer, the Petra that fortress was uh, surrounded by water, so they would take him with a boat all the time from the fortress back to the place where they would investigate him. And there's some beautiful stories told about how the Alter Rebbe wanted to once be Mechadish de Levana and he didn't want the boat to be moving, he had it stop, you know, miraculously, till they all, they all recognized how the Alter Rebbe's holiness, the Alter Rebbe's strength and powers, and spiritual standing. Um, the Alter Rebbe answered them very intellectually, so, and he said one of the hardest things is to have to explain to people who are not familiar with the teaching of Kabbalah and Hasidus, to have to explain to them in their minds, uh, you know, that they should be able to, to understand. You know, they're not used to this kind of uh, teaching. So he explained to them everything, and it was finally uh, declared on the 19th day of Kislev um, that the uh, Alter Rebbe was uh, free. Now, the Alter Rebbe, as we're going to see, there's the next day is also celebrated because when he went home from there, he ended up 
at a home where the Chassid lived, but downstairs there was actually living one of those who were opponents, the Misnagdim to the Chassidis. And the Alter Rebbe accidentally came into his house. And he went, and he, had, he gave the Alter Rebbe a hard time as the Alter Rebbe was there. And so the total freedom isn't considered. By the time they realized the Alter Rebbe, they gathered, the Chassidim have gathered because they heard that the Alter Rebbe was being freed. There's a whole story, the Megillah Sittis Kislev, we have another opportunity to study it and, and, and hear about it. And the Alter Rebbe um, um, went and, um, and, and uh, eventually by the time he left, it was ready the next day. So we got a second day out of it. So we celebrated on the 19th and the 20th of Kislev. Um, the Rebbe Rashab writes, this is from a letter, he t- asked the people they should get together on the 19th of Kislev, and he says you should be rejoicing. This is a joy of a festival that in which God has released uh, and helped that the light and the uh, life of our soul has been given to us, which means the Alter Rebbe and the Chassidus. This day is considered the Rosh Hashanah, the uh, new year for Hasidus and the teachings of Hasidus that we have from the Rebbes, the new year begins with Yutas Kislev which is the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov of Blessed Memory was the Rebbe Rashab was the fifth in the lineage of the Rebbes the fifth in the lineage of the Rebbes um, so he says that uh, on the day of Yutas Kislev, he says there is a tremendous opportunity, the Rebbe Rashab writes, to connect and to uh, nurture your soul uh, in a very deep and inner way from all these special things. Now, Yutas Kislev is also a very, uh, a, a very special holiday, which has a lot, of, uh, a lot of writings about it, but this is beyond now. I just want to go on, because there's a few more things that happened on Yutas Kislev. This is in Yutas Kislev, so it looks like on that same day that the Alter Rebbe was freed and that Yutas Kislev... Same year. No, on that day. Oh, the day. Okay. On that exact day, in Tafukuf Nuntes, that was the year that the, uh, a daughter was born to the Alter Rebbe. And her name was... Uh, not to the Alter Rebbe, to the Mittler Rebbe. His the Mitzvah Rebbe, his son, gave birth. That's a granddaughter. granddaughter. And that day, a granddaughter was born to the Alter Rebbe on the day that he was freed. And matter of fact, uh, the Rebbe Tzimanucha Rochel uh, was, uh, when she was born, the, the, the Mitzvah Rebbe heard that, that, that he had now that is a daughter. He said, well, now we're going to have menucha. Menucha means we're going to have relaxation, we're going to have rest, because the Alter Rebbe was freed. So they actually called her menucha because of what the Mitla Rebbe said, and they also called her by the name Rachel, that was named at the youngest daughter that died of the Alter Rebbe, had another daughter named Rachel. She died when she was young, and so she was named menucha and Rachel. So we've actually studied now so the Alter Rebbe's, the, the, the Mittel Rebbe's um, daughters, so we learned that one of them, uh, the daughter Chayamushka, became the wife of the Tzemach Tzedek, of Rebbe Nachem Handel Tzemach Tzedek. And we also learned that another daughter of the Mittel Rebbe married the uh, son of uh, Chernobyl. We learned of... Uh, Cherkasser, Yaakov Yisrael, 
of Cherkas, who was the son of Reb Nachum Chernobyl, which well, I mean was uh, Reb Mordechai Chernobyl, who was the son of Reb Nachum Nachal of Chernobyl, who was one of the Hasidim, one of the students uh, of, of the Magid, of the Rebbe and the Magid. He right. was of the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid. He actually goes back all the ways to Nachum Nachum Nachal of Chernobyl goes back all the ways to the Baal Shem Tov and later on from the Magid. Right. So that was the second daughter, and now another daughter we're learning now. She, this Menucha Rachel, she married uh, uh, the Slonim. Uh, and she, and she uh, there's a big Slonim family in Israel which comes from the Rebbe Menucha Rachel, from the daughter of the Mittler Rebbe. So we learned now about three of the daughters of the Mittler Rebbe. And while she was very young, yeah? Did she marry within the family? No, that she, no, just that a, doesn't say. Yeah, well, no, it was a very important issue, but yeah, not, a, not a family member, as far as I can see over yeah, here. Okay. And she, was, she wanted very much, she, was, she had a love for Israel. She wanted to move to Israel even while she was very young. And at one, po- at one point she got very, very sick. You know, of course, we have to understand, in those days, you know, people got sick, it was not okay. like today. Not, not too much medicine and not too much uh, things that they can do. And a lot of times it was like hopeless. And she got very, very sick and the doctors already gave up on, uh, on her lives. And her father, the Mittler Rebbe, instructed that they should whisper into her ears and tell her that in his name that she's going to be healthy and she's going to merit to go up to the Holy Land. She's going to merit to go up to Israel. And surprisingly, as soon as they did so, she became healthy. She became healthy. And actually, in the year Tafrej Hay, with the advice of her brother-in-law, the Tzamech Tzedek, as we said, the Tzamech Tzedek married another sister, her sister Chaya Mushkat, this Menucha Rachel's sister. She, together with her family, with the Yaakov Chulislonim, I think it was his name, they together, the family, all made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. When the Rebetzin uh, went into the Tzamech Tzedek, to her brother-in-law, Menucha Rochel, to say goodbye, she sort of complained that she's afraid to travel now because of the rains. And the Rebbe says... What's the problem? You can travel in between the drops of rain. <laughs> and from that day on to the last day, it says it never rains, it never went a drop of rain. You know, never, never touched it. Uh, she went between the drops. Uh, the rabbits of Menucharachal, together with the family, they settled in the city of Hebron. And that was the beginning of the foundation of the Chabad presence in, in Hebron. We already learned also that the Rebbe Rashab eventually, many years later, sent uh, Yeshiva over there. And then when the First World War broke out, they sent them back to, uh, to, to, to Russia. They sent, originally they sent like 10 students over there together with the, with the Rosh Yeshiva and the Mashpia, with the Mashpia they sent over there with the spiritual guide. And then eventually they went back. Now we're going to go weiter a little further, yeah? No, no. That's totally different. Oh, that's the slow number. Um, now we're going to talk about in Yutis Kislev, in Tovkuf Ayin Vov, which is December 27 in 1815. Okay, so then um, that, was the, that was the date that um, the Reb Moshe 
Ramosha was a son of the Alter Rebbe. He was the youngest son of the Alter Rebbe. This is a, a fascinating story, what took place over here. If you look in the, like in the introduction of the Shulchan Aruch, which was published by the Alter Rebbe's sons, you find two names over there. Uh, the name of uh, Chaim Avram, one son, and the Mittler Rebbe, Duber. Tanya, on the other hand, you do find also the third son, Ramosha. You find Ramosha too. Um, these were the three sons of the of the Alter Alter Rebbe, and uh, on this day it was also a redemption that he was freed. He wasn't freed. He actually ran away, as you're going to see. Ramosha, the son of the Alter Rebbe, from the hands of the priests. He was actually captured. There was a whole story that took place with Reb Moshe, the son of the Alter Rebbe. And this was, as I said, in the year Tov Kufa Vav, which is 1815. So, um, Reb Moshe, the youngest son of the Alter Rebbe, he was born in the city of Liozhne in the year Tov Kuf Mem Dalet. He had tremendous talent. He was uh, 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 just a great uh, abilities. And during the lifetime of the Alter Rebbe, he was able to recite exactly use the language the Alter Rebbe used like a photographic memory. He could recite the, the, the teaching of the Alter Rebbe word for word exactly as the Alter Rebbe said it. And the Alter Rebbe, Roshner Zaman, held him very dear, his son Rebbe Moshe. And the, what he would commonly say that with Hashem's kindness, and with thanks to Hashem, this Moshe is such a talented guy. He's, his abilities are so special that he is ten times greater than the namesake whose name he's carrying. Because he was named after the father of Rebaruch, Reb Moshe of Poison, who was the grandfather of the Alter Rebbe. And that was a great genius. And he said that his son is ten times as powerful, as, as, as strong, and more on a greater level than his grandfather. And he said that his phenomenal memory will never s- cease. And he was uh, very special. Now, we're going to read from what the, Altare- what the, myth, the previous Rebbe wrote with regards to the story of what happened with the priests over here, that he was freed. Um, so he says like this, I know what I'm relating this because I've heard it from my grandmother. The, Rebbe, the, the previous Rebbe is saying his grandmother, which is his father's mother, the Rebbe Rashab's mother, which was the Rebbe Tzun Rivka, the wife of the Rebbe Maharash, who heard this from her father-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek. Uh, and this was a, 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 a spirit of zealots that entered into Reb Moshe, uh, that took place. There was the governor, the one who was in charge. I'm not sure if the right word is governor. The Sarah Mechoyz, he was the one in charge of the city of Mohiluf. He uh, placed the Mittler Rebbe and Reb Moshe in front of Alexander the First. So Alexander I was there and he placed them, the, the governor of Mohilov placed them uh, 
at the time when Alexander visited in the city of Babinovich, which is close to Lubavitch. So when he came, when the case, uh, the, when the, uh, the Alexander the first, he visited the city of Babinovich, which was near Lubavitch. The governor of Moholiov, uh, the of the city of Moholiov, perhaps I'm just thinking that must be not too far from Lubavitch either, or maybe they were under their jurisdiction. I'm not sure exactly, but he presented them, but not in an honorable way like he thought fitting. Ramosha thought that he didn't present to the king, to Alexander I, he didn't present them in a proper, respectful way. Because he first presented to the king all the other groups of distinguished people. So, in the presence of the chief priest, I don't know what they called him, the priest or whatever they called him, of the city of Smolensk, he rebuked the governor and Rabbi spoke many different languages so the uh, the priest insulted Rabbi and also spoke derogatorily about the Torah about the Torah he spoke very derogatorily so Rabbi answered him and gave him a real dig a very sharp dig, and that turned into a religious debate, which took place in the month of Cheshvan in Tovkuf Ayin Vov, in the year Tovkuf Ayin Vov, as we said, this is in the year of 1815. They made a debate, where the debate took place in a fortress, in a non-Jewish prayer, prayer place in the city of Yartsuva, which was next to the city of Smolensk. And the chief priests were present of Smolensk and Nezhen were there. The debate lasted for a month. And when Ramosha won the debate, they decided to move him to one of their uh, uh, prayer places, one of the Knesias, in the play in the uh, area of Kiev or to the city of Vladimir inside Russia. They basically hold him for a prisoner now, and the, they, they, they locked him up to take him over there. When the instruction came that they should move him to Vlad, Vladimir, so on the first day, on the fourth day, as they were taking him, and they had a very, guarded him well. They had a very guard to make sure that he doesn't run away. There were uh, armed, uh, armed people over there, and there were uh, army people, armed people. There were priests that were going along. So while they were sleeping in one of the villages that was close to Moscow, they all fell asleep very deeply. And Aravakadosh Ramesha ran away from them. And Hashem gave him the strength and the power. So notwithstanding the freezing weather and the snow, and the deep snow uh, that was on the way, he ran and he came to the city of Ariel 
in which he met up with Reb Moshe Leib Jakobson. He hid him in his home for several days, and from there he left to the country of Volin. Uh, the day that he was saved, Reb Moshe, was on the night uh, before the fifth Wednesday night on the third, the, the, the fifth day of the meaning Thursday, nineteenth day of Kislev in Tov Kufa in Vov. The family members of Reb Moshe they moved to Eretz Yisrael, to Eretz Hakodesh, and he himself went to exile from the year. Tov Kuf Ayin Vav until the year Tov Rej Lamad Ches. That was uh, that was uh, quite um, you know that's quite some time from Tov Kuf Ayin Vav. Um, this was already after the passing of his father. His father passed away in Tov Kuf Ayin Gimel. This whole story took place after the passing of his father because his father passed away Tov Kuf Ayin Gimel. And this was in Tovkuf Ayin Vov. Um, but um, he, he passed away. Ayin Pei Sadik. Another, uh, he lived for another, you know, long time afterwards, he learned it. And, and uh, he passed away in the city of Radomislia, which is in the. Uh, area near Kiev in the year Tofrej Lamad Ches and his uh, interment and his burial place is over there in the city of Radomislia. So uh, I guess that at the time of the Tanya he was still in the in the area because he was still together. That's why he wrote he comes in here as the, the um, three of them signing here but at the time, what does it mean exactly that he went to exile, I'm not sure so whether he ran away back, no, a different district. no it seems it like from what it says here, again I'm not, they have to yeah, look yeah, up yeah. more the history, but what it says here is his family moved to Israel, it doesn't seem like he joined them, it yeah, seems yeah, like he went to yeah. he seemed like he went to exile and we're talking about, like I said from Ayn Vav to Lamed Ches is you know I don't know what happened over there is Pevov Tzadikvov Kuvov Tezayin Chov Chov Chovov and Lamedvov that would make it fifty two years afterwards he lived for another fifty two years after that story so there was was a long time. Doesn't seem like he got together with his family anymore. So it is it like different districts in the settlement there. Because you say it was in Volin, yeah. Volin, Gubernia, yeah. Gubernia, but there was like six other districts. Probably one governor didn't talk to the other governor, so he was in a different district, so they probably never caught yeah. him. So, yeah. not sure exactly. Happened. Okay. Now, so like I said, this was a, a long time later. 52 years later that he passed after that and he was so the Shulchan Aruch on the other hand was authored later on that was collected after the passing of the Alter Rebbe and therefore um, I guess he doesn't appear there maybe the the, 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 the Tanya uh, was during the Alter Rebbe's lifetime and he was there he was but yeah so that's why he was part of it. That's why he comes here but, as three. But not all the editions. 
What do you mean? One, one said in there one edition, one book of the beginning yeah. of it was published before he went into prison. Yeah. And then he finished the rest of it when he came out. So maybe the son wasn't around. Okay. Yeah, but this this yeah this introduction looks like it's from the first the very first time yeah, that they so published it. But as we said before, um, this was this was published before they arrested the Alter Rebbe. Right. So that's why because uh, yeah this the Tanya was published first. Uh, um, and uh, but then yeah no then they added the different sections right, and uh, right, right. further on later on but that that took place later on yeah. yeah.